Welcome back to another hour of Scotch Hour. I am Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right. This evening, we have episode 121. And uh, I think we have a, well, an interesting lineup. I think it's appropriate for the evening. <laughs> uh, first, we're going to start off with our Scotch being the Alexander Murray 10-year uh, from the Ben Riach, uh, which is a Speyside distillery. From that, we'll have our get-togethers and shout-outs and uh, our restaurant review being the Shindig Shindig, uh, Restaurant and Kitchen, followed up by our um, Smart Challenge Idiocracy. So before we jump in, I just want to say thank you to all of our new subscribers on YouTube. You guys are really helping us get uh, closer, at least to the 100 mark. We're still trying to get up to 1,000, so we can just open one up. one more uh, zero. Yeah, we just a few more. Uh, so that way we can start opening up other features here so we can make a better uh, podcast for you. Uh, and then also thank you to all of our listeners on um, on all the different uh, podcast platforms. We Greatly appreciate all of your guys' uh, listenings out there. Uh, we're having a, a pretty decent month, so thank you for all of you who are listening to us. And thank you to all of our Rumble Rumble watchers as well. Please like and share and subscribe. Uh, anytime you like or leave a comment, that helps us out. That helps uh, with the algorithms, helps, uh, helps uh, get our show out to uh, other people. Uh, if you do leave comments, uh, we like to reply to them and converse with our uh, with the people who watch us. Um, and uh, please make sure you hit that subscribe button one more time. So with that, we'll go ahead and get started with this fun evening. This single malt scotch for the 121st episode is the Alexander and Murray and Company, as Noah mentioned, Ben Riach, 2012, 10-year-old aged statement, single malt scotch from Speyside in the Highlands, 40% ABV, and with many cases of Alexander and Murray and Co., uh, not a whole lot you can do as far as research. Go back, look at the Ben React Distillery notes, uh, which is an interesting distillery uh, established or opened in 1898 and was only open for two years. And then they shut the door, shuttered the place, or as they usually call it, mothballed it, ready for a future reopening. Uh, but it stayed closed for 65 years until 1963. Um, then they started reproducing uh, scotches. Uh, Eventually improved, got to single malt scotches, and since then, Benriac Distillery uh, has done a number of amazing scotches. Rachel Berry, their master uh, scotch man, woman, whatever you may want to call her, distiller, taster, blender, uh, amazing craftswoman i will say has done some great things i don't know that she had any part in this um that's a good question i don't know if she did either <laughs> uh because it doesn't really say one way or the other but i would imagine uh her influence might be there somewhat 
We're going to find out. So Rachel Berry, Master Distiller at Ben React, if you had something to do with this, let us know. If you intentionally had nothing to do with this, also let us know. Uh, ben React is often known for some amazing fruit flavors, great oak, um, typically not peated or if peated, not heavily peated. But great flavors, blackberry, blueberry, tropical fruits. And we are, regardless of Rachel Berry's influence on this Alexander Murray and company, Scotch, in for a treat. Uh, I have no doubt we will get some fruit forward notes and some great oak in there. She likes the wood. <laughs> well, from what I, from my understanding is that this particular bottle is supposed to have orchard fruit with honey and uh, toasted oak. So I think it's going to follow some of that, uh, what you would nor naturally expect from Ben React. Uh, but also uh, to talk about that distillery, they do offer three tours. They have the original tour uh, um, where it's basically you get a tryout. Uh, you, you tour the uh, distillery, you get three drams. It's 75 minutes long and it's about 20 great British pounds. Then they have what's called a barley to barrel. Now this experience, you still get the tour, but you also get to experience uh, the whiskey making from barley to the barrels. Uh, this is a two hour experience. You get five drams at the end and that's 45 great British pounds. And the last one is called grape to grain. And here they go over through how they select the different types of casks that they use. You still get the tour. Uh, they mentioned something about uh, Rachel Berry being involved possibly with this one here. It's 2.5 hours and it's 65 great British pounds. And then you also get five limited uh, drams to taste. What does limited mean? <laughs> I think it's like the limited release stuff. All right. I just was hoping they weren't limiting how big that pour was. <laughs> <laughs> so something interesting on uh, the Alexander and Murray bottle is that it looks like it has a statement up top that says, Truth, Fortune, and fill the fetters, meaning roughly, go forth against your enemies, have good fortune, and return with captives. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess time to open up and see if they cap captive uh, make us captives of their. It is interesting. So, was that their whole intention was to uh, capture some of Rachel Berry's more recent? dominance with success. flavor profiles and the success of her scotches yeah i mean if it's anything like the 10 or the the 12 right the 10 you said that one was the uh honey honey rider honey rider right and, and the 12 is the blueberry pancake oh my uh, yeah yeah and then the Did 12 I get those right the, the like, 12 smoke was blackberry yeah oh yeah okay so man um yeah can't go wrong Top, is it wood, plastic? What is it? The top is absolutely wood. I got to give it credit for this. It's They stained it. They gave it a little darkness, if you will. And they also... <laughs> the dark wood, huh? Yeah, they got the dark wood. And they also carved into it. AM. Nice. Ooh. Foil. Nice. Thick. I like it. I like it. Let's see what we got for a cork. Real cork. Saw. 
Ah, smells pretty dang good. she goes <laughs> well we're lucky all right well it's now time for our tasting and our warp speed so cheers cheers this alexander murray uh 10 year uh, ben uh, Ben Riach from 2012. Um, I actually uh, I like it. I find it uh, it's pleasantly uh, pleasantly surprising. I guess um, you know it doesn't come in a tin, so I think that's kind of, that kind of that there's a little bit of a knock on it. I know out of the out of the both of us, I'm usually the one who takes the risk on getting uh, scotches that have no tins because I think I. I uh, selected two of the uh, Kirklands and now this Alexander Murray. And I think those are the only ones that we've done without uh, tens. So I guess I'm the one who tends to be a little bit more willing to uh, venture out onto that limb. Uh, that being stated, I think we did a pretty good job with, um, with the Kirkland ones. I think the Kirkland ones had some decent flavors to them. And I think this Alexander Murray one is actually really decent as well. Um, when we, you look at the coloring here, I do like the coloring. Um, even when you look at it in the bottle, you can kind of see the coloring there. And here I put that was a nice golden amber, which I really enjoyed the coloring of it. And I gave it a five out of five for the color. So I was pretty pleased with that. The presentation. I really love the wooden top. I like how <laughs> Dude, the it's wooden kicks ass. <laughs> uh, I love how it's kind of embossed or uh, chiseled in there with the, it was the AM. Right, uh, and I really like just the the color of the uh, of the labeling. It just you know the bottle looks nice. I but here's the thing: it has no tin, so I'm really <laughs> like I was fluctuating back and forth. Should I give it four out of five points, or should I give it three out of five points? Because the tin really means a lot to me in the presentation. So I I had to go I had to go with this kind of scale like. If I'm gonna give a like uh, a bottle that has like a really nice tin or box only a four because it's not very intricate and it takes something special like maybe like the in your background maybe people can see like the the grand uh, grand vintage uh, grand reserva that orange bottle or even the grand crew or even the Alexander uh, King Alexander from the Delmore, those are like five, those are like fives, okay? <laughs> so if, if I'm looking at those and those are fives and all these other boxes are definitely like mostly like fours uh, with the tens and the bottles, then I have to be kind of true to myself and say, because there's no 10, it gets a three. Um, I mean, if it had a 10 and depending on like how that 10, this would, this would easily be a four in this category. Um, but yeah, I mean, even with just how it is with no 10, I was, highly contemplating giving it a four out of five just because it's done some things with the top that most other people have not done which i really like a lot um 
So, yeah, that's a three out of five there. Now, the aroma here, this is where it gets kind of difficult for me because um, I was expecting something a little bit more on the bouquet here when you smell it. Um, it's really light, very subtle, very delicate. I do get hints. Like, when I first smelled it, I got, hint, I got like, honey right away with toasted oak. But then after it settled down a little bit more, I started getting, like, hints of peach and malt. Um, which is nice and it's, uh, very inviting and, uh, it doesn't overpower you. Uh, could the aroma have been a little bit stronger or have a little bit more characteristics that maybe stuck out? Yes. But even though with how mild and reserved and delicate it was, I still gave it a 26 out of 30. Uh, mostly because of, I mean, it had a nice little bit of hint of sweetness to it and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't anything that was repugnant or anything like that. So I, <laughs> I just I liked the way it smelled, but it wasn't like that's a dirty dog. <laughs> now, as far as the palate go, as far as the palate, um, here I put uh, nice sweet, uh, nice sweetness with uh, hints of peach, uh, vanilla, honey, and hints of blackberry in there. Now the uh, for me with this particular scotch, it was kind of like a sweet bomb up front, like where all the sweetness hits you on the front palate. This is where I got the honey, the uh, the vanilla, and the peach. Uh, and then as it started rolling into the mid palate, uh, it was a very very light body, so it almost like it lacked body right there in the mid palate and in the back palate. But in the back palate, I think that's where I kind of got like the hint of the blackberry. And as we go into the finish, for me, the finish, there was a tad bit of spice there. Um, but as the uh, it started to mellow out the finish and then it lingered there, to me, I got like, it was almost like eating a a toast with a, with a berry jam. This is where I think the blackberry comes in for me. And I got like blackberry jam uh, with vanilla oak. And that's kind of what I put here is I put uh, light blackberry jam with vanilla oak as my finish that kind of lingers there. And to me, like that blackberry jamminess, uh, kind of like what I would imagine like when you put on a toast, just kind of like that sweetness lingered there for a while. And I really enjoyed that. And I liked it a lot. So for the palate, I gave it a 26. For the finish, I gave it a 26. I gave it, so my grand total is 86 points. I did enjoy this one. I think it's a nice summer scotch, uh, especially during a, a nice warm day like it is today. I think we're like in the mid 80s, maybe. Let's think uh, it's 82 right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so because it's like uh, light and ref uh, light, it's sweet and a bit refreshing, I think it makes for a good summer, uh, summer scotch. But I take it to a uh, to a black tie affair. Uh, I'm going to say no and simply because it doesn't have a tin that it comes in. I think when you go to a black tie affair, part of it for me is presentation. It's black tie. <laughs> and I would want it to have a nice uh, tin for it to come in or if it didn't come in a tin, maybe if, if it had like a velvet bag that it came in or something, you know, something other than just the bottle itself. Uh, I think the taste is worthy enough to take it to a black tie affair, mm. but I don't think the presentation is there for me. Uh, would I take it to game night? Hell yes. It's, it's, I think it's game night worthy. I like it. I think it's, I think you can take it to game night. I think the guy, I think guys would enjoy it. Uh, uh, would I have it on my shelf? I think there's a place for it. Um, 
you, I definitely feel like the characteristics in this particular uh, scotch uh, meet some of the characteristics that you would normally catch from a normal Ben Riach uh, style of, of, of scotch whiskey. And you can tell that it is from there just because of some of the characteristics. So, yeah, I think there's a place for it on the on the shelf because it's different from the normal 10, uh, the 10-year Ben Riach or the 10-year Smoky. So I think it does add like a nice little flavor there uh, or nuance in that experience. Um, I think it's something definitely to have on the shelf to share with, you know, with, with another uh, scotch connoisseur who comes over to your house. Now, it's not going to be, it's a Highlands, it's a Speyside. Uh, you know, if, if it's a friend that likes, you know, something like that has like, likes that smoky peat or the heavy peat or anything like that, uh, they might get from like Isla or one of the, one of those aisles out there. Uh, they may not enjoy it, but if they like something like Ben Riach or any kind of Speysides, I think it might be an enjoyable experience for them and i think at only 40 i think it was 49.99 uh they're at uh total wine and more uh i think it's a i think it's a definitely a good pickup all right well our scores are not so far off but they are not quite the same um first thing going straight from it is a great bottle alexander and murray you guys did a great job with the bottle if it wasn't for the wood top I mean, a great box is five. No box is four. Um, actually, a good box is four. A Macallan 12-year typically is a four. No box, maybe a three or a two. Um, so I would say normally, unless you have a great bottle, a no box would be a 2.5. It gets a three only because it is a great bottle, and I love it, but I hate I don't know if you're trying to save the earth or what. People can recycle. Clearly, we reuse our boxes. <laughs> so whatever that may be, uh, whether it's on a shelf or a piece of art, which we also do with our old boxes, um, and that was that's one piece where it's a struggle for me. So presentation is a three. I agree with you wholeheartedly. This, for me, deep gold color is beautiful. Five out of five. I do believe, though, that color is added. 40% uh, ABV, typically they water it down just a little bit, have to add a little bit of color, plus it is so much darker than the non-smoked Ben Reacts, this is a non-smoked one, uh, as far as it's labeled, that I do believe they added some color. Alexander Murray, feel free to reach out and correct us. We will make a correction on our podcast. Uh, so color is a five. The rest of it, none of it's bad. For me, it just doesn't stand out like the other Ben Reacts did. Um, so for the aroma... I get that like raw honey where it's not quite sweet. For me, this is not a super sweet scotch, but it is smooth, balanced, and creamy. And that's interesting because I go from raw honey very quickly on, on the nose, honey crisp apple. And I say honey crisp because it's not red, it's not green, but it is super sweet just for a second. And then there's the pre-ripe peach smell and the mild bourbon oak. And I really got that when rubbing it between the hands and really bringing out after all the alcohol evaporated um, was that bourbon oak. So for me, the nose, a 25, the palate. 
the front of this palette actually starts really well. I get burnt honey or burnt sugar, one of the two, followed by creamy. It's like an unripe banana and spice. Then the spice goes away a little bit, and I get honey nut Cheerios flavor, so cereal. And then it pops back up with a little bit of pepper and spice. Uh, the finish is long. I love that. The palette was a 25. The finish is long. I love that. I get spice. I get oak. More importantly, it's burnt spice. Um, it's uh, burnt oak. And it's burnt toffee. It's like this burnt sugar flavor, um, none of which is offensive. Uh, and the ultimate finish, the closest thing I taste to your jammy toast. And it took forever to, for this to come out. Is both an unripe blackberry, unripe, because it doesn't have the sweetness, but it, you're right, it's got the flavor. And an unripe banana mixed together. It's like this creamy pate of unripened banana, un, unripened blackberry. And it, it took forever for me to get there. But I think the reason I finally did is because you brought this up. Much like the Smoky 12, which had a fantastic blackberry flavor, um, and you said the, the 12 was the blueberry, uh, both of those were amazing, and uh, man, it does have hints from the Smoky 12, it's just not the Smoky 12 is the problem, so my overall total with that as a 26 was an 84. Um, would I take it to a black tie event? I'm right there with you. I love the topper, but you don't even see that till you open it. And then after that, actually, the foil doesn't quite match the bottle. I wish they would tie that in just a little bit differently. I do love the saying on the foil. Um, I love the carving, engraving, etching, burning of A.M. for Alexander Murray into the top. I do question this dark wood topper, though. It's so rare, and it doesn't quite fit the bottle that almost looks out of place to me. I wouldn't take it to a black tie event because, though, really, the box. Now, for game night, this is where it gets really tricky to me, and we talk about things like biases. And the fact that Alexander Murray is putting that it's a Ben React on here, and we're both tasting hues and hints of the Ben React 12, I'm almost tempted not to bring it to a game night because it's not the 12. It's not the blue. Man, that blueberry kicked ass. Um, this is this is falling just a little bit short. I, it's not that I wouldn't bring it to a game night if it was the only thing available. It would not be my preference. Um, because of that, am I looking to seek this out on my shelf? No. But what it does do, and I love this experience. I love that we are doing this tonight because it reminds me, God damn it, Jesse, go to the liquor store. Make sure you get a bottle of the 12 and the Smoky 12. So one of these nights when you and Noah want to taste blackberry and blueberry in that real honey flavor, you've got it in the Ben React 12 and the Ben React 12 Smoky. Now, that being said, this is only a 10. Um, Ben React 10s are pretty damn good, too. Uh, overall, though, 84. No regrets. Not even one. Um, and it's not offensive to drink. It's just not what I would expect from a Ben React. 
I think you make a you make uh, some really valid points there, and I and I agree with those points. It is like when you compare it to Ben React, the uh, either one of the tens, the ten, Smoky Ten, the twelve, or the Smoky Twelve. It's you can tell it's in the family, but it's not them, yeah. right? It's like the it's like the it's like the step the redheaded stepdaughter, or, or, or maybe it's like the ha- or maybe it's like a. Well, maybe not that, but maybe it's more like a half brother or a half sister. Oh my goodness! You know, where like they have like bastard child. Where they have like one, where they have like one parent is the same, but the other parent is not. Um, and I'm not saying it's a bastard either. Uh, I'm just saying that like you can tell that it's part of the family, but maybe it's it's not like the same immediate family. And I, I get like. Almost for the almost the same price point, I think. Yeah, you you could get like the immediate family <laughs> with a ten, with a ten. <laughs> um, but I still think there is a uh, you know, I think it is a it is a different uh, exp- different expression of it, and I th- I still think it's enjoyable and nice. I think the biggest difference for me though definitely has to be that it has no tin. And so I think that's kind of the biggest detractor from it. Yeah, for me, every one of the Ben Reacts had, especially with starting with just the regular tin, as I've always called it, the Honey Rider. Um, they have a very distinct natural honey sweetness at the forefront of the palate. And typically in the middle or finish, there is a very distinct berry flavor um and it's one that we have never questioned it's not like well this might be or it might kind of be or that might be for me in this one a muddled banana in there um but i i agree with you 100 nothing about it's offensive it's just not jumping out off the shelf into my hand <laughs> i get that all right well i say you know 86 he has 84 Average, 85. It's time for our shout-outs. I uh, am not doing any shout-outs this week. How about yourself? Actually, uh, I really don't have any shout-outs. The only thing I guess I might say is, uh, even though it might be in poor taste, but it has made for some good laughs, I think. Uh, I will give a shout out to all the people who are making the memes about the uh, about the sub, uh, about the uh, submersive uh, vehicle that was piloted by a <laughs> mid range joystick that in, ended up imploding uh, as uh, some people were trying to view the Titanic. Your shout out uh, goes to the memes of my get it together. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's my get together. Don't be a billionaire and risk everything for that unless you're mistakenly an, a moron billionaire. I'd like, oh my God, how many billionaires can you fit in a sub? Five dead ones. And to go out, like, and then I'm going to throw on the uh, tinfoil cap because I really don't have a get together, but. Uh, Tinfoil uh, hat here time is like there's some people out there who have conspiracy theories like there is actually no real billionaires on there uh, and that they've like faked their deaths. There's uh, another theory out there that uh, a Meg uh, 
giant shark thing uh, attacked it. There's another theory that uh, they already knew that this uh, sub had imploded, and they waited uh, in the news cycle to when uh, Durham and some of the things about Hunter Biden was coming out to detract people from that. So I don't know if that's any of it up there, but uh, that I, that's just a, some tinfoil hatty stuff that's uh, been that I've been seeing on the interwebs. You know, and that's a good point because I am all about our constitutional rights. Well, what the hell is a president's son doing as a known and announced, self-announced drug addict or alcoholic doing with a goddamn handgun? He's like, my dad's the president. I can do whatever I want. Okay. He didn't even dispose of the handgun correctly either. Like... So he lied on the application. He uh, threw away the gun, and if he if it's the average Joe, they would saw jail time. Oh yeah, we'd be in jail. Oh yeah, long time, not just jail time. <laughs> jail time, long like, jail time. Jail would be like, we love you, long time. <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna get really comfortable with them hard bars. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have anything else in this section? I no, know. that was it. That was my only get together. Is and I think it's tough. If you and I were truly billionaires, I'm not going to go take a a trip in a fuck sub that shit Friday. <laughs> that's being piloted by a by a video game controller. No effing way. I, I don't even know about any of that. For and me. on top of that. Why would I want like some diversity hire to pilot? Be the pilot as opposed to a naval captain. Yeah, I'm gonna want like a naval captain, someone who has like, like, like decades of experience to pilot my sub. Not some like, oh, uh, because he's white, we're not gonna hire him because he doesn't breed uh, inspiration. Fuck that shit Friday, right? <laughs> uh, thanks, Elbo. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I totally agree with that. Like, why would I? There's no, no way in hell would I ever step foot on that sub. Would you? And then take your son on it? Yeah. Like, oh, hey. Hey, oh, let me in my child line, too. Fuck that shit Friday. <laughs> Shindig Bar and Kitchen in Lone Tree, right uh, around the corner from the Clock Tower Bar in Lone Tree. So, uh, you know, when I first arrived, um, they are going through a rebranding. I think it's very easy to see that because their signage is not correct at the current moment. Uh, they have like a a banner currently hanging up there that has their name and then the signage hasn't been changed haphazardly <laughs> uh it hasn't been changed yet the patio area looks okay uh it's not a detractor but it doesn't add to it either and when you walk in to me this place screams coffee shop like, it just screams like it should be a coffee shop that has, like, open mic night for people to play music or open night mic for poem readings or stand-up comedy type stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, where you can sit there and play games uh, while you're sipping coffee. Kind of like a, almost kind of like a, the old Paris on the Platte, if you will, 
from way back in the day before they shut that place down. But like a smaller version and more kind of uh, more uh, trendy. Uh, but uh, this place is not that. Uh, they said they went through a rebranding that they used to be more of a breakfast place uh, and is they're trying to be more of a lunch and dinner place. So <sighs> I have a... Uh, Okay. <laughs> it's a tough call, right? It is a tough it's call. It's hard. It's hard because <laughs> the owner, we met the owner of the place and she's super nice. Uh, and she waited on us and she, I thought she did a great job. So I think her service was like a nine. I liked the service uh, very much. You could tell like, uh, even, even though she, like she's the one who was serving us, like uh, one of her staff also came by and talked to us. And I think she was training that staff member because uh, there was a few times where you could hear the staff member asking her questions and stuff. Um, now, the food, if you're going to be a a bar and kitchen, right? When I think of a place that's a restaurant, they have like the word kitchen in, the kitchen in there. I'm expecting some kind of like culinary experience. Uh, that has like a vast amount of choices or very gourmetish type of choices on the menu. Uh, this place only happened to have, uh, I want to say like four, maybe five options of pizza, a personal size pizzas, and like four or five options for uh, sandwiches and some appetizers, and the rest were drinks. Uh, if I'm trying to be a lunch or dinner place, I would expect it, the menu to be more diverse, uh, have more options. And just because of the word, I guess like in a title kitchen, I'm expecting more of a, a more of a gourmet type sense than I than what we experienced. Now, my dish that I got was the buffalo chicken sandwich. Uh, which is what she said that she recommended that she liked a lot. <laughs> the sandwich was good. I think the buffalo sauce that they used was good. The one thing I think it lacked that if you're normally going to get a buffalo chicken sandwich, a lot of times they'll either have blue cheese or ranch to go with it. And there was no blue cheese or ranch added here. Also, they typically use a different type of cheese. Her, here, they use mozzarella, which I actually really enjoyed. I like the fact that she used mozzarella because... I like mozzarella cheese, but I think it could have used the ranch to go along with the uh, buffalo sauce. Now, I did ask if I could have it in a wrap. And I like how she did it in a wrap, um, but I don't think the cost of value was there necessarily because the sandwich itself with some chips was $14. And as I was mentioning to Jesse uh, while we are there, we, we go to... Uh, the tailgate and for $14 we can get a burger and what well I could get a burger and two beers because usually I order Coors Light but <laughs> if I order beer and then but him it's a it's a burger and a beer uh, but since I did order an IPA this time my bill came up to about $20 and so with $20 for a, a sandwich and a beer once again over at the tailgate I get two beers and a sandwich a, or burger. a burger, a giant burger, a giant burger. Yeah, <laughs> or we could go to the Metropolitan Bar and Grill and get a uh, a basic burger uh, with two Breckenridge peach, I'll uh, say peach uh, peaches for twenty dollars. 
and some and, and also an appetizer because usually one of us will get like one of those small uh happy to, uh, happy hour uh appetizers for roughly like 21 bucks uh so the, the thing is like is it unfair probably to uh compare it to the tailgate or the metropolitan bar and grill it may be but yeah. i don't think it is it's because not- because if you're trying to be a lunch or dinner place, I think you got to compete with places like that. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to match the prices, but you got to make it worthwhile, right? You got to have like, uh, and, and maybe this is part of the rebranding that uh, they're still trying to uh, uh, figure out their image or, or figure out who they are. Um, so the food, and here's the other side note I want to talk about with food too, is today for lunch, I went to Sprouts. And I know it's a grocery store, right? It's a natural foods grocery store or whatever. And they make sandwiches there. And my sandwich there was a uh, chicken salad sandwich. It was bigger with better quality bread uh, for $4.99. Yeah, I didn't get a beer. But even if I got a beer for $4.99, for basically $5 of the sandwich, that was bigger than what I got. It had more chicken than what I got. Uh, and I, if I would have bought myself a beer... I would have saved myself money just going, like, getting a sandwich there from Sprouts. So the food value wasn't there. So is it a destination spot? Definitely not. Not at this point. Uh, I think maybe if they find their identity, it could be a decent place to go. But still, I'm not sure it would be a destination. Uh, the food itself, I'm going to give it a six. I wasn't, like, really – it wasn't really, like, great – uh, the atmosphere there, I couldn't place the atmosphere. It seems like, once again, because of the rebranding, maybe it's trying to find its identity. So I'm going to give that a six. Uh, but the but the owner was super nice, and so I, I feel bad giving it a six and stuff for these areas. But um, she was, like, super nice. She, she says, like, how they want to cultivate an environment like Cheers. She didn't say cheers. I'm saying cheers because she says she wants, you know, they want her, her and her staff want to know everyone that comes in. And it really was kind of prevalent because like some of the people that came in this evening, they all knew each other and they're like walking into like the kitchen area, the bar area, almost kind of like it seemed like, and uh, it seemed like they're just a big group of friends. So I think if, if you're looking for like a neighborhood type of place, you want to make it like a, a normal place that might be the place to go for, for you if you live in that area. But honestly, for me, it wouldn't be that for me. Um, so overall, I'm going to give it like, she's a nine. But if, I don't think if we had her, I'm not sure if the service would would have been a nine. So overall, uh, I'm going to give it a six. And, uh, I, you know, if, give, it, give the place a try. Maybe like in a week or two, maybe they might find more of an identity, uh, figure things out a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I'd say, like, let her know that you uh, um, saw or heard about her from us here on Scotch Hour. And, uh, All right. Well, yeah. The Shindig Bar and Kitchen. Man, our scores are exactly the same at the end. Literally, it's a six for my total score as well. Uh, my experience was a little bit different. We go in, I'm assuming immediately, this place that used to be the Lincoln Station that has a banner haphazardly hung from it crooked where you can see the old sign underneath because it's drooping so much the shindig bar and kitchen uh the old place closed down and this place was bought out we went in tiffany uh the owner was amazing with service i actually gave service a 10 i thought 
service was. You don't get better service from a mid-range restaurant. I really believe that. Uh, Tiffany, thank you for that experience. If you ever watch this show, um, that was the highlight, though. That was absolutely the highlight. As Noah had mentioned, we asked her a lot of questions. Really, he asked her a lot of questions. I was stuffing my mouth with food at the moment. And with that, um, some of those questions were, is this new? And she's like, nope, we're just rebranding, which was one of our guesses from the get-go. But she also tried to paint a picture that there was nothing wrong with her business model because all the people in there for poker night, sometimes upwards of 50 people, she said, um, bought a dinner and a drink. And part of me is curious if she's doing the math from the other piece, which is the ugly side of it, but the real side of it is, yeah, you got one guy in here buying a meal, a sandwich for $14 and a beer for $6, and he's there for six hours. What about if you turn that table every two instead of let, uh, letting them sit there for six? And sometimes that's the ugly side of business is you want people to come. You got to have food good enough to drive them there. But not just that people are coming there because the food's okay. And the service is great. And you know my name, but I'm here to play poker. Because the food actually was not great. It was not good at all to me. So I started my dinner with the spinach and artichoke dip. Um, I thought the spinach and artichoke dip itself was okay. The pita bread pieces that they put with it overpowered the dip. Um, the artichoke was almost not prevalent at all. And by the time I was done eating, and I'm like, why the hell did I eat this? This is a three out of 10. It was a three. That is solid to me. Uh, my salad, I went with the Italian hoagie. Oh man, you got ham and salami and pepperoni and marinara and mozzarella um, and a toasted hoagie. All the fixings to make this sandwich great. And again, it was only mediocre. Uh, the Italian hoagie was only a five. We've gone to so many places where we had Philly sandwiches and other things and given them an eight, and they were 10 times this sandwich. Um, so it's crazy to me that people would keep coming back there for this meal. The drinks were a seven. Um, I had an old-fashioned, not great left me wanting honestly uh the value of the food at the end of the day uh the service was great but the value was only a five this is a mid-range restaurant uh atmosphere was a six it just looked discombobulated it was not sexy as hell um total score for me was a six i would not take a friend there if i was in the neighborhood uh, or meet a friend there i would not take a date there um it is definitely not a destination but I would understand there are multiple apartment homes above and right nearby where if that's part of their culture to do it, like, hey, be part of that atmosphere, that, you know, area. And I think Tiffany, the owner, really thought that she was the one bringing them all in. I don't think she realized she wasn't part of their poker game of 24 people. She was serving them beers and giving them great service. And in the long run, Tiffany, this is not an attack, but man, if I'm running that business, I'm not rebranding and changing the name to draw in more business. If I'm trying to go from a breakfast to an evening place, because Lincoln Station says just as much lunch and dinner as this does. Um, 
man, the shindig bar and kitchen does not shout lunch and dinner either. That also, at your point, shouts breakfast. Um, the shindig bar shouts more lunch and dinner. But once you throw a kitchen in there, that's like a home-fixed meal, which is typically a breakfast or a lunch. Um, overall, again, a six. Um, I don't think I'm going to get food poisoning or anything. I think they do quality work, and the service was a 10. It's just not a destination for me. The Smarter Challenge movie review of Idiocracy, the 2006 sci-fi comedy by Mike Judge. Well, he was the director anyhow. Uh, originally was, I think he wrote it too. Yes, along with Eaton Cohen. Okay. Um, Eaton Cohen, which is not one of the Cohen brothers, <laughs> which is too bad because I, I imagine they could have done something a little bit different with this, but Eaton Cohen also did movies. I think he was actually the win of the writers of these two, uh, because Mike Judge did The Office. I was I didn't mind The Office. It was not my shtick. But he also did Beavis and Butthead, which I loved. Yes, and that was my other point, which is, but again, like these are below us. All right. However. Eaton Cohen did Tropic Thunder and Madagascar Escape from Africa 2, or Escape to Africa is really what it's called. And with that, I think there's two writers balancing well. One that <laughs> writes more to the intellectual comedy and one that writes to the silly comedy, I will say. Because I did enjoy Beavis and Butthead. I'm not saying for a second, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I didn't. I absolutely thought that was funny because as kids, that's what you want to remember. You want to have moments in time where time wasn't a thought. And that's how Beavis and Butthead live, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you can't live like that either. Uh, but 2006 sci-fi comedy directed by Mike Judge, who also, as you mentioned, Beavis and Butthead, The Office, movie 1999, co-written by Eaton Cohen, Tropic Thunder, Madagascar, Escape to uh, Africa, and... For me, you know, there's a multiple number of actors and actresses in here. Luke Wilson plays Corporal Joe and Bowers, and Mayo Rudolph plays a street prostitute. I'm just going to leave it at that. Dax Shepard plays Frito Pendejo, and Terry Crews. He was actually great. I actually like as President Macho Camacho. Uh, oh yes, Macho Camacho, President. Oh, I thought he was great. Also, I was just like laughing my ass off the second I saw him because I'm like, man, this is like the Expendables all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike Judge also did. Uh, you said you said Office Space, or did you say uh, The Office? The Office, um, the, the movie in 1999. No, that's Office Space. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, so The Office is a TV series. I'm confusing them. You're right. I'm sorry. Now, I the Office space, I loved. I thought that movie is hilarious. The TV series, The Office, not a big fan. Yeah, that's just it. Yeah, okay. So I got them confused. Because like, that was in attack and like the whole jump for conclusion. Right. And uh, the, the, the boss. Yeah. I forget what his name was. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and he also did King of the Hill. Yes. So... I think yeah, like some of Mike Judge's work has, has been pretty good. Um, now, this particular movie, 
Um, uh, the Luke brother. What was his name? Uh, Eaton Cohen. No, no. The, uh, the oh, guy. Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Luke Wilson. He, uh, <laughs> he, his name is. Well, it doesn't really say it in the credits, but it's not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after he gets his barcode in the future, five hundred years. His name is Joe Bauer. He's like the. Uh, the epitome of average. So basically, the military is uh, doing this whole like uh, uh, experiment. Like, experiment. It's like a freeze animation, right? Uh, uh, and they're gonna like or like uh, cryogenic type of thing. Yeah, they want to do basically a, a government hibernation experiment that was not supposed to last very long, but ended up lasting five hundred years. years. <laughs> yeah, so it was only supposed to be for, be for one year. And like the whole the whole spiel was that the scientists were saying like, uh, you know, there's a, like a lot of our best pilots and soldiers don't even experience war. So why don't we hi- put them in hibernation and then pull them out when we need them? But in order to do this experiment to see if it works, we'll do it for one year, and we're not going to take one of our best guys. We're just going to take the guy who's like basically the average throughout the whole bell curve of like multiple different like uh, everyone points. on the planet. Yeah. He was average. So uh, so Luke Wilson gets chosen for this, uh, and then they couldn't find a person that was compatible as a female. So the uh, the scientist, I forget his name, but he goes on and he like hooks up with a pimp uh, <laughs> called that? Upgrade. Yeah, Upgrade! <laughs> for you, Upgrade. Hey, he talks about how a pimp's love is different from a uh, square's love or something like that. <laughs> And so they find a prostitute, which is played by, what was her name? Oh, uh, Mayo Rudolph. Oh, oh yeah, Maya Rudolph. And uh, her name is Rita <laughs> in the movie. And so uh, she gets picked as, like, basically an average person. But I think, uh, and so he talks about, like, how they, like, had to pay upgrade for a year to, like, use her and stuff like that. In any case, the, uh, the scientist gets busted after... The uh, after they start the experiment and then everyone forgets about uh, about uh, Luke Wilson, which is not sure, or Joe Bowers and Rita, and so they hibernate up for five hundred years. And the only reason why they even like uh, come out of hibernation is because of the uh, great uh, uh, landfill avalanche of twenty two thousand five hundred two thousand five hundred and six. Yeah. 2,505, I think. 505, okay. Uh, and then, like, uh, so, and then when they wake up, they find that everyone is more dumb than when they first, like, were, went into hibernation. So, in the graph here, they kind of also show, like, I think Mike Drudge or the, uh, uh, the other, uh, writer, Cohen, they did a good job of saying, like, well, I think they, they did a decent job, maybe not a very good job, about saying, like, how, when you have people with higher IQs or people maybe in a higher status uh, economically or whatever, they tend to look at things more transactionally as like how much is it going to cost to have a child, provide for the child, that type of stuff, and they want to be in a good situation. So they're going to hold off and wait until they know that they can afford and provide a good uh, a good experience for the child. Uh, whereas opposed maybe like some hillbillies or whatever, uh, or lower IQ people, they're all just looking to get their dipstick wet. 
and uh, they have like multitudes of kids. Hey, man, you got to keep the well, oil full. Or, it's you know, like, not wet. Or, you're in, or, or maybe you're in. abuse the welfare system because they know like the more children they have, the more money they can get from welfare. So those people tend to have more children. So basically, they're just saying, like, as time goes on, uh, the population gets flooded with all these dumb people screwing like rabbits versus all these uh, more intelligent people or higher IQ people who don't have children. And eventually, what ends up happening is that all the intelligent people die and go away. And then we are left with a bunch of imbeciles uh, in the world. I think the one thing that I think it's an oversimplification of it, because I think if you do have these so-called global elites or whatever, I think you're still going to have a, a certain small group that's going to run the world of highly intelligent people versus all the other masses. But in general, they didn't do that. Any case, fast forwarding from there. Joe wakes up. He doesn't. Uh, everyone has a barcode, which I think nowadays we can start seeing like stuff like that happening, where people are trying to put chips in, and where you can't go into grocery stores unless you have a chip. Can't go to a concert unless you have a Vax card. Exactly. Uh, so basically, because he doesn't have a chip, he gets arrested, and uh, then uh, he has to take an IQ test. Uh, ends up being that he has the highest IQ, and because of all this too, you see uh, corporatism, not. Not capitalism. I think a lot of people think capitalism is what we live in. We don't live in capitalism. We haven't lived in capitalism. Uh, even for my whole lifetime, uh, really, we lived in, we've actually lived more in corporatism. Uh, and corporatism, you know, this is where the corporates run things, and, and the, or what people might say is crony capitalism, but it's really corporatism. Uh, but in any case, corporatism has taken effect where everything is, like, sponsored by, like, uh, Carl's Jr. or Starbucks or Costco and stuff like that. And so all Joe wants to do is get back to his, uh, to his time of uh, 2005 or 2006. Uh, but he ends up, uh, these people, like one of these companies is called Brando, which is kind of like Gatorade. Uh, that's, what plant, that's what plants crave because it has electrolytes. But it basically, it's killed off all the plants in the world, and they have now dust bowls because they killed all the topsoil. And because he has the highest IQ, President Macho Camacho. Macho Camacho! <laughs> brings him in as the Secretary of Interior to save the world. And then because like he didn't give him enough time to like allow the plants to grow, uh, he has to go to rehabilitation. And also everyone's pissed off at Joe or not sure because uh, Brando uh, was the main uh, corporation that had everyone who was hired and because they started using water to uh feed the plants yeah uh, use water to feed plants <laughs> stupid uh uh but basically ends up saving the world and all that stuff uh <laughs> and uh i don't think he i think i think at the very end he has a speech saying like you know everyone like should go to school, should read, do all this stuff. And him and uh, Rita, they end up hooking up and getting married. And they have the three smartest kids in the world. Yeah. But his vice president, which happens to be Frito. Which was the guy he was trying to bargain with and negotiate with during the whole movie. Well, earlier in the movie that, hey, give us, you have a time machine? Take us to this time machine. <laughs> it wasn't a goddamn time machine. And we will start a savings account in your name. And the compound interest will make you rich beyond your dreams. You'll have so much money. I like money. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Frito uh, ends up marrying eight women having tons of kids, like 40 kids. So I think... Uh, 
once again, you're still we're still in the same in the same de uh, death spiral of having more dumb people having kids than you have intelligent people. Also, yeah, the, his 32 kids. Well, what you're forgetting is, unlike corporals, three smartest kids on the 500 year planet after they decide to stay in the future because they don't have a fucking choice. Um, Macho Camacho appoints. Well, he leaves the office and. Uh, the vice president. Not sure. Yeah. The vice president has 32 of the world's stupidest kids. It's not only Mary's eight women has a, a plethora of kids. They are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Frida. What's his name? Frida. What? Uh, Frida Pancho. Frida Pendeo. Frida Pendeo. Yeah. Frida Pendeo. All right. So that's the uh, kind of like overview of it. So I guess uh, what was... Who's your favorite character, I guess? I think you already mentioned it, but I maybe I, I don't know. Like for me, I absolutely loved seeing Dax Shepard. Um, but Terry Crews was awesome as the president. Um Camacho. We were talking about this at dinner. And it is one of the least sexy, like, honestly, the president, Camacho, was the most attractive person on the whole set. Uh, the next would be Luke Wilson as Corporal Joe Bowers, um, the prostitute. Who's paying for that? I don't understand. Like, it is not a sexy, not a sexy cast. Uh, I'm sure that's intentional. Um, no barcode in prison, Mr. Bowers. Not sure his name. Um would be second, but ultimately, in the long run, he did a great job. Camacho, Terry Crews did an amazing job. Man, you got to love how the pimp rolls out at the end. <laughs> he, he, he surfaces, and he's like, where the hell's Rita? <laughs> Where's my hoe? <laughs> he's like, I need to make some money. <laughs> so I... Uh... <laughs> I say my favorite character is also President Camacho by Terry Crews. I think he just did a, a an awesome job as that. Uh, Do you think they were making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Probably. <laughs> 2005. Yeah. I thought he was great. I thought he did a, he a phenomenal job. Um, now, did you like now seeing this movie? I know it's a comedy and it's kind of a, a dystopian type of like film of like what the future could be. Uh, what do you see in this movie that you might see kind of similarities to in, in today's world? Oh, the, the first thing would be the threat of artificial intelligence. Um, and the second one being just people being so willing. Not everyone, but all the smart ones died off because they stopped having kids for this world. Um, but people being so willing to be lazy, out of shape, do whatever they had to, do nothing, live off the government, become a complete socialist world, really, um, just to have it easy. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I would rather have a hard-fighting day at work that was long, and I've had several of them the past couple weeks, and come home tired and feel accomplished uh, than come home after an easy day and not feel accomplished. I need a win in my world. So one of the things I saw that, uh, and we kind of briefly talked about in the whole like uh, snapshot or review of the show, is like how you had to have a UPC 
uh, on your your wrist. And there's actually now after COVID has started or after COVID and then whatever post COVID, uh, there are like Aldi and uh, Whole Foods where they have like certain locations where you have to have like a UPC on your phone. Uh, or like a, a chip put into you uh, for you to even enter into these grocery stores to purchase food. And this kind of reminds me a lot of like what we see here in this movie where everyone had to have these UPCs in order to purchase anything, uh, which kind of like shows like once we get to that level, I think we are starting to enter into a very bad area possibly for humans. Well, again, who I'm not saying you should do things that you have to keep secret, but you shouldn't have to share everything you want to keep secret. And there is a huge difference in being coded or chipped or and all of this absolutely takes away from those rights. It is difficult. Um, but you also have to wonder at the end of the day, it's not one mad scientist who's doing this. It's something greater. It is either an elite group trying to control everything or it's artificial intelligence knowing they can one way or another. And again, the tragedy comes in people not being willing to fight, uh, willing to fail, to go after a dream as opposed to, oh, you mean I can work four hours a day on my couch and they'll just bring food to me and I don't have to work out because it's okay not to work out? Um, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. And then the other thing I saw here is like uh, Brando, the corporation, uh, they were getting ready to face some charges from uh, from some government regula- uh, regulatory authority. And so what they did is that they ended up buying out the government. Yeah, uh, and they already own the FDA and they're like... <laughs> yeah, so and, and I think that's pretty true right now. I think you see like uh, corporations who try to bypass certain uh, regulations by like bribing or, or or doing whatever and paying off like the EPA or whatever. And Brando was the corporation which was screwing over the world. Again, I'm going after AI here. Although maybe it is just a group of elites trying to kill off the world, uh, but AI trying to kill off the humans because we are the threat as we have trained and programmed it to think, and therefore they're the ones killing. Like, face it, ladies and gentlemen, plants do not grow off of Gatorade. Humans cannot survive <laughs> off of Gatorade. We still need water if we're drinking all the Gatorade in the world. So plants do too. <laughs> And looking at the whole like IQ thing of it, uh, you know these people. Uh, you you also see it too like uh, they're trying to sensationalize like certain like lawsuits or court uh, appearances, and you see that here uh, in this movie, and uh, you see like how corporations are sponsoring everything. Where like uh, I forget who he was, uh, secretary of something. Uh, he's like uh, brought to you by whatever. I don't think it was Carl's Jr. I think it was like another another company. I don't remember. I know what you're talking about. But he, every time he said something, he's like brought to you by this, brought to you by this, and he's like, why do you keep saying that? He's like, because every time I say it, I, I'm sponsored. I get, yeah, I get money. Paid. It's an easy way to make money because I'm sponsored. Politicians. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah, you see that. I think that's some of the realities there. Yeah. Just like on the far extreme side of it. 
don't know. Uh, what was your favorite scene, I guess? Dude, literally, I was laughing my ass off when the last freaking <laughs> uh, hibernation pod surfaces and it's the pimp. That was great. I also just loved every scene with Macho Camacho in it. Um, Luke Wilson going through what was supposed to be Washington, D.C. 500 years later was interesting just because it's like, yeah, that's that's probably pretty real. Although I think it would have changed even more than they had shown in the movie based from 2005 to 2505. Um the movie did a, a good job with a lot of great scenes. I, the most, like, again, I, I don't know that I should feel this way, but I'm like, pick a better prostitute. <laughs> Seriously. She she goes, she's a prostitute, and her pimp sells her to the U.S. Army so that she can go into a hibernation pod, sells her, um, and then you find out the pimp went into a hibernation pod too, and then is still looking for her like he owns her 500-plus years later. Um but, like, I just pick a better prostitute. I don't understand that at all. I love how he thinks that she's a painter throughout the whole movie, too. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite scenes, though, is, like, when he gets taken, when he goes uh, to jail for the first time, and he figures out how to escape. <laughs> that part, I thought was kind of, that, I laughed at that part there. And really, just about uh, any scene with Terry Crews was pretty good. I, I liked the I liked him a lot too. Um, I don't really have much more to really say about this movie. I think it's a it's a decent comedy, uh, but also I think you come away saying like some things to be aware of uh, that we might be seeing in today's uh, world. I guess I will say with Mayor Rudolph's Rita character. In the future, the fact that she only had to tell them that she would have sex with them, never actually was having sex with them, but they would still pay her. I thought that was brilliant because I think that's real. Again, they're not having to fight for anything. So when it doesn't happen, I don't even know if they know it didn't happen. Like, what sex? It's so worthless. What? I like money. I like money. I like sex. Uh, yeah, it, it's goofy. Um, for me, the biggest thing is throughout this, and it's good to see, especially as, uh, you know, once you're over 21 like we are finally, and you're a more mature individual can buy your own alcohol and stuff, it's good to see to remind you, man, no matter what your age, don't stop fighting the good fight. Keep learning. Keep reading, working out, adapting, adjusting to the new world, or you will be misplaced. Um, and that's what's most curious to me is the fact that everyone gave up. And, and I think, like, all the smart ones gave up. And then in the future, 500 years from now, what? These are the two, a prostitute and a, a guy in the army that was the most average person on the planet are the two smartest people. So we went backwards. Oh, yeah. And I think that's real. I think if we don't continue to fight, to strive to be better, to push ourselves, and that's not always easy because comfort is nice. Let's face it. Guess what, though, ladies and gentlemen? That's for your 65 plus years. <laughs> well, I don't think I can say it any better. Um, so yeah, I guess 
I have no last words on this movie other than just check it out. It's a it's an entertaining movie. How I would finish it is frightening for me the thought of my kids or grandkids or great grandkids growing up in that world. It's a and, very real and, and being okay with it though. The the fear isn't that they're even growing up well, in it. It's okay. that they be, they adjust to this is good. Okay, I think you make a good point here that I don't think they just adjusted to it. I think they didn't know better. Because I mean you're even seeing it now with like with our educational system. It's what what are we teaching our children? And I think what's being taught from generation to generation, some of it has gone downhill. And I think if we continue to progress that way and if we continue to uh, bring in an influx of people from third world country into the United States without any vetting or anything like that, it's going to overflood us. And then we're going to start turning into a third world nation. And then we are going to have a lower IQ, uh, lower IQ populace with, and that's going to be more docile than those who think and do stuff about it. Because those who have the ability to critically think and question things are the ones that, those who are in authority probably fear the most because they're the ones who are going to question them. It's tough. I it literally yeah. is just tough to think about. It's just kind of a scary snapshot of like what could happen. Going backwards so far. And then when you think about what happened during COVID and the number of people who use sick benefits because they just want, don't want to get up or who think they're not going to get fired because they just keep sleeping in and we couldn't fire you during COVID. Like it's it's astounding because it happened in just a couple years. Go through a couple hundred years of that. Yeah, people really are potentially that weak. Well, uh, yeah, and still you got people still wearing masks today, even though now there's been plenty of peer reviews that have come out saying masks don't work. Even the uh, Dr. Bricks uh, said that uh, they just made that up, and they also made up the whole six foot rule in her book. So, but yet you still see people wearing masks. Well, so psychological to control. We know it was a mind game. It was. I think what it was, like, if you ask me, it's just a, it is a mind game, but it's to see those who would follow authority versus those who would challenge authority. Because if you're, if you're going to want to, like, create a, if you want to do something to society and mold it into the way you want it, you're going to want the docile people who just obey authority and not those who challenge you. Well, they all got their quote unquote chips. They got their vax cards. They're all yeah. marked. Like literally they did allow it. They did. <laughs> I believe authority. Trust the sides. <laughs> there it is. I like that movie ass. <laughs> That's fucked up. That. <laughs> it's just a movie of a guy's ass. For an hour and a half. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's next week's challenge in Scotch? All right. Next week's challenge is Nurse Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet? One season Netflix show. Supposedly, it is, and I have to watch it. So it's, I think it's eight episodes. 50 minutes each, 55 minutes each. Maybe it's nine episodes. Uh, uh, prequel to a Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Sorry, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Both 
Jack Nicholson won the right one. One <laughs> flew over the cuckoo's nest. And the scotch mm. to go with the crazy lady nurse. The scotch will be the 2021 release of the Cardew 14. All right. We're going to select the tree on the tin for the bird's nest that the cuckoo flew over. Sounds, as a okay. Sequel Sounds good. To Nurse Ratchet. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, just want to say thank you to all of our watchers on YouTube and Rumble, to all of our listeners on the many podcast platforms that we are on. Please continue to like, share, and subscribe. Please definitely subscribe on YouTube so that way we can hit that 1,000 mark of subscribers. And uh, please leave some comments. Uh, we love to interact with you all. And with that, I'm going to pass it over to Jesse to close us out. All right. I'm going to do the same thing I did last week with the last-minute adjustment on my score. I'm going to change my palate from 25 to 26 because as I've sipped it through the show, the palate is where it's gained. It has not improved anywhere else, but it has improved. Overall score, not an 84, but an 85. Um, with that, not sure if you have any adjustments you want to make. Nope. Life is great. That does not mean life is going to be easy. But do what Noah and I have done. Make a commitment to yourself. Make a commitment to others. And then, God damn it, hold true to it. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be work. A commitment should not be made lightly. But we made a commitment. We have done it for 121 weeks in a row now. Uh, I don't know any married couple, honestly, that's ever done that. I'm sure they have. Like, I came home at least once, 121 weeks. That doesn't count. Um, this is a different level of commitment. This is picking out a scotch. It's being present for a show. It's doing research, a smarter, smarter challenge. Um, it's spending time in a show, after a show, taking pictures, putting up videos, as Noah does every time we do a show. This is not easy work. Uh, well, what I'm saying here is believe in yourself. Start with the small commitments. What's easy? Build off of that. I love this idea. Uh, my boss shared with me not terribly long ago, but you start with a routine you're good with and you build off of that. And it's brilliant because even if you take a step back, your foundation is still there with the good routine. So we do our show and then we take some photos and then uh, we put out a video and we put out advertising and we do all these different pieces. We go to restaurants. The foundation is there. Do that for yourselves. Remember, life is great. Make a commitment. Uh, drink responsibly. Do not drink too much and drive. And and remember, same bad time, same bad channel. channel. Well, same scotch time, same scotch channel. And until next week, Scotchman. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.